Hi there, and welcome to Talking Commodities, the podcast series where leaders in commodities trading, procurement, risk management, and sourcing come to share truly actionable insights based on real-world experiences with the biggest global companies. Talking Commodities is brought to you by the JP Morgan Center for Commodities at the University of Colorado Denver Business School. The first center of its kind, offering educational programs and research focused on commodities, taught by experienced industry experts. Go to business.ucdenver.edu slash commodities to find out more. And Chai, a London technology business who help companies secure more margins, stable prices, and better outcomes. Chai has developed an intuitive web application that provides users with crucial insights and commodities price predictions made by applying artificial intelligence to all of the data that matters, from satellite imagery to freight data. To get access to Chai, go to chaipredict.com. That's C-H-A-I predict.com. Now, over to Stephen Butler, Chief Commercial Officer of Chai, and Tom Brady, Executive Director of the JPMCC, for this week's episode. Hi there. Welcome once again to our podcast. And today, we are really pleased to be joined by Thomas Cole. Thomas is someone who has quite an in-depth and deep knowledge of the commodity markets, specifically in and around the soft and ags complex. And this has been developed by over nearly 20 years in the industry through positions held at the Chicago Board of Trade and now more recently at Ballycolibo Group, where Thomas is a commodity market analyst. Thomas, you are very welcome to the podcast and thank you very much for taking time to talk to us. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. Great to see you, Thomas. And, uh, you know, just a bit on your background, you know, nearly 20 years in the industry, you know, kind of what's your story? How, how did you get in, in into the industry in the first place? So I started, I want to say, uh, late 04. I started as a runner at the old grain floor at the Chicago Board of Trade. You know, for a long time there, that that was, that was one of the most common entry points for getting into the world of commodities was to uh, you know, take a job like that, one of those lower on the ladder jobs, and really like a lot of different trades or other different fields rather than than maybe going to school. It was really a lot of hands-on experience. And so that was my experience coming in to the industry was, you know, starting as a runner, like I said, on that old green trade floor and, and really getting a learning the ropes through uh, uh, being there and, and seeing it take, take place firsthand. Um. One question that we always tend to ask guests on this podcast, and I think it's always very important for some of the younger listeners that, that are involved, is do you have any sort of key defining lessons, experiences, or anything that happened that was pivotal along your career or notable that you'd like to share with uh, with our listeners? I think the biggest thing for me, the most interesting thing I've seen is the transition from how commodity markets used to be traded and prices used to be discovered and seeing that transition into the digital world. You know, when I first started down at the Board of Trade, it was still, you know, the open outkai trading pits, the typical thing that you've seen on television. Everything was still literally done with um, pen and paper on trading cards. You know, everything was still very much paper and, and really technology um, had really not been introduced to a great extent. Um, if you look back on it, one of the most controversial things, uh, I believe it was in the mid 80s, was allowing telephones actually on the trading floor. So understand the pace of change at the old Chicago Board of Trade. But when everything became electronic trading, 
that was just a huge shift and a huge way, uh, a huge difference in the way of doing business. And so to be there and to see that shift, be able to adapt to that was pretty remarkable. And, you know, that's what I would tell people, you know, as they're moving through their own careers, you know, it's important to be open to change and, and be able to adapt to different shifts in the way of doing business, because uh, that certainly was something that was very big change, but uh, I can't imagine looking forward. It's uh, the pace of change is going to slow down. So that was probably the most notable thing I've witnessed thus far. The other thing I'd, I'd ask is that it's interesting that actually we sounds like we've got quite similar backgrounds, you and I, because I started my career on the floor, albeit in London. Uh, and I have been to the CBOT uh, numerous times as well. When we were starting out, there weren't really facilities like what Colorado University is doing to teach people and educate people about the commodities markets. It was the way I describe it to people is it was like a sink or swim mentality. They threw you in at the deep end and you just some people got it and some people didn't. Um, yep. Was there a specific interest in commodities that got you up and running or where did the interest come from? Yeah, you know, and I would say that I wish when I was going to school, there was something like the JP Morgan Center for Commodities. Um, um, what a great, what a great program. You know, my specific interest was, uh, I've got a lot of family roots in uh, the city of Chicago. And, you know, growing up, we would always visit there. I've always been interested in markets and, and economics and you know, history and politics. And, I just remember we would we would be kicking around downtown in the loop and and we would just pop into the board of trade and go up to that old visitor gallery there and, and you know I was younger and I would I would look at that trading floor and I would just think yeah that place is pretty cool I I think I want to be there you know no one's sitting in an office there it's pretty animated it seems like that's you know where all the action is I I want to, I like that place. So I knew I was always interested in markets, but then there was something that drew me to the, to the board of trade and that trading floor specifically. And so some years later, that's where I found myself. And, you know, being that first job as a runner, I actually worked a second job, you know, during that time. And it was always something I was happy as could be. It was always something at some place I knew I wanted to be and actually give it a shot. So, I mean, I suppose it wasn't really commodity markets per se. It was more perhaps the environment where they traded and just how different and unique it was and just really how at the forefront those markets really are. So I think it was a combination of things that drew me ultimately to uh, the commodity markets, you know, starting with that trading floor. That's great. Thomas, this is kind of switching over to, to the markets in general currently, you know, uh, what a crazy year after during, you know, the pandemic and, uh, you know, what, what do you make of it from an ag's perspective and, are there any key lessons that you've taken from this last year? Well, I think a key lesson is, you know, always listen to the price signal and, and really at their core, those commodity markets, those future markets are price discovery and, and a price signal sent out to the greater market. So, you know, if you look back to markets, even coming out of the pandemic where prices began to normalize, and, and I think we all expected that to a certain extent. But then there was just a number of fundamental factors that really started to influence strongly these markets. And, you know, by the fall of last year, I believe that the price signal was telling you that something something was wrong, something was happening. And so, you know, when you start to see markets really take off, you know, it's important to, to really take a look at that price signal, what it's telling you and, and 
really start to realize, okay, what's going on here, you know, dig into things and see if this is just a, a short term or perhaps even a longer term trend. Okay. All right. Any thoughts of, uh, you know, what's next coming around the corner for the markets that you're involved with? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's been, you know, really a lot of factors coming to the forefront really at the same time. I think if you take a look at a number of different agricultural markets, there seems to be, or there is weather issues really around the globe, whether that's Brazil, whether that's here in the United States, whether that's in Canada or Mexico, you know, whether it was last fall, Southeast Asia, last summer in Southeast Asia. So I think that there's just a number of weather events that continue to influence where these prices are heading. There's certainly issues with the supply chains. Moving commodities around right now has become extremely difficult. So I think that that is something that's putting a fair amount of risk premium into the market. And again, some of the inflation talk that we've heard, uh, I think certainly does a lot to, to support these markets. So what I think those are the three main drivers of where these prices, the reason the prices are where they are. I don't feel like we are going to have a resolution to either one of those individual characteristics or even all of them together. So I do think that we could be in a, for a period um, of sustained high prices here. I mean, I don't certainly, you know, want to give the caveat that this is, uh, you know, my opinion here, but I think moving forward, you know, like I said, we still have a fair number of issues to work through before we can get prices back down to a more uh, you know, normalized quote unquote uh, range. Thanks, Thomas. You know, how do you keep up on top of the markets? And do you have any tips for, you know, folks looking to develop their understanding of the idiosyncrasies of the sugar and grain markets? Yeah, I think it's important to understand the crop cycles, really, of all these commodities that you're looking at. What is the season for sugar in Brazil? What is the season for soybeans in the United States? What is the season for canola in Canada? You know, what are these crop cycles, because in the world of commodities, we, we deal with cycles, we deal with supply and demand. And so really, if you're, if you're really digging in and knowing those cycles for each of those commodities, that's really, I think, where you have to start. And then I think you have to understand the, the futures markets. I think you have to understand the mechanism and, and how futures markets are pricing commodities, how futures markets are pricing risk. What is the futures market? You know, like I said, the price signal, what is that price signal telling you? You know, if it's an inverted market, that's going to tell you something than if it's a, at a typical carry market. If you look at the soybean market, you know, that July contract is the old crop, so to speak. The November is the new contract. How do those dynamics work? And really, how do different dynamics going on in the market affect different contracts uh, moving farther out the curve or, or closer nearby pricing. And then understanding, I suppose, finally would be the cash markets, you know, understanding basis. How does basis trade? Because the cash market is going to give you, again, just another really good piece of information. Currently, basis for soybeans in Iowa for nearby contracts is, is anywhere from 20 to 30 to 40 cents over the, uh, over the board price. You know, typically that is a price that is 50 to 60 to perhaps even 70 cents under the board price. So what are those cash markets telling you about the different set, the supply and dynamics out there? So I think really understanding the fundamentals of these markets and then understanding how it's getting priced and how those futures markets work and the mechanics around those futures markets uh, to help you interpret, you know, what the price signal is telling you is, is very important. That's great, Thomas. That's uh, that's just right down the line of what we're trying to emphasize at the uh, commodity center is just that 
understanding of the physical and the financial markets and the interplay between them is, uh, thanks for that. How do hedge funds use artificial intelligence to generate hundreds of millions from trading iron ore, nickel, and crude oil? Learn answers to commodity questions like this with experts from the forefront of research and industry at the J.P. Morgan Center for Commodities at the CU Denver Business School. Join us on Wednesday, July 21st for an online information session on academic courses, non-degree certificates, and professional education offerings. You can also visit our website at business.ucdenver.edu backslash commodities for more information. Yeah, no, I think you've absolutely isolated the areas that you need to be thinking about. The cyclical nature of the mar- of all commodities markets, the understanding the futures market, understanding where basis risk is and how to deal with that. How has data and the advent of more and more data coming along improved your role in capturing all of the information across those different sort of topics that we've just discussed is data helping more and more as time goes by yeah and you know again when you're looking at the commodity markets then the cyclical nature of it uh, to your point Stephen. you know if you take a look at uh you know for instance the corn or soybean markets you know those data points usually start off with that you know prospective plantings we get the usda outlook in february and then that first big data point is that prospective plantings at the end of march and then you're moving into every Monday, you know, you get the crop progress. And then in that June, you get that final acreage number. And then you're moving into, you know, the growing season and how that's progressing. And then you're getting the data points on the harvest. So watching those data points is extremely important. And those data points are coming from agencies worldwide, whether it's USDA, whether it's Stats Canada, whether it's, you know, Unica for the sugar markets down in Brazil, whether it's the Malaysian Palm Oil Board um, for the for the Palm Oil Statistics out of Malaysia, so those data points, um, you know, that is certainly what the markets are trading off of, what the market is looking for for direction, and not only those data points, but also the expectations surrounding those data points. And so, I think what has become um, easier and more efficient as you know these different data programs have proliferated as technology has advanced. It's really helped you compile much more data, look at it perhaps a little more strategically, really be able to manipulate it to see some anomalies in ways that I think would have taken much longer to do even as early as 10 years ago. So, you know, those data points. And then, you know, again, when you get into the secondary data points, when um, you're not even talking about official statistics, but, you know, rainfall statistics, so to speak, and, um, you know, any number of, of data points that you're looking at. Just the ability to look at so much more data so much more quickly has has really made it a lot easier to come to those conclusions quicker. And so the data is, of course, really important. I do think that it's, you know, one caveat is I think it's important not to get so caught up in the data that it blinds you from maybe seeing other things going on in the market. But, you know, more and more that that data is just so, so important. You know, like I said, with the different programs that are available now, analysis that used to take so much longer can be done so much quicker now. So it's really come a long way. That's really interesting. And 
just to follow up on that, so from what you're saying is you feel that the decision-making process has been become much faster as a result of the information available to people. They can make decisions quicker. So yep. when you look at that in relation to commodity price risk management and hedging, you know, has the industry changed? Has the way people hedge or the way people price risk has it has that bit got faster or has that you know is have you seen changes in your career as time has moved forward yeah i think that the markets move much quicker these days and i don't know if perhaps the underlying strategies or however you want to look at at it has changed but just how quickly these markets are moving now you know and like i said just how quickly different uh, you know data points can be distilled into actionable you know, items, the speed at which the markets move much quicker. So the hedging process today, to me, is something that don't turn your back on the markets for very long, because they certainly, the pace of change is rather quick, especially when there's a lot going on. Uh, you know, the volatility is, is, is something and we've even seen it this past week, you're seeing, you know, swings of 100 points in the, in the world sugar market, you're seeing swings of 60, 70 cents. And the soybean market, 40 cents in corn market. So that kind of volatility, you know, these markets are moving quickly. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I mean, that is one thing that we try and, and emphasize to our clients as well, that you need to be much more dynamic in your hedging approach. You can't sit back and assume that you're covered. You know, there's always something that's going to come up to bite you and you have to be fully on top of it. Um, okay, so with that in mind, do you think... Or, you know, as we move further into 2021, there's a lot of things and issues out there that can affect prices. But is there anything that you think should be top of people's agenda right now? You know, as far as it relates to, you know, hedging strategy, and to me, it comes down to, you know, number one, creating that strategy, and number two, executing on that strategy. To your point, as these markets are moving, complacency is the enemy. So you always have to stay on top of it. You always have to be defining and reminding that strategy and then execution just becomes uh, paramount. And for someone that has never really hedged, but now realizes with these lofty prices and everybody talking the commodities space higher and higher, they need to do something or they wanted to introduce a hedging strategy, but they don't really understand how to go better from scratch. Is there any sort of advice you could give to these people? Yeah, I think that, you know, it comes down to the simple mechanics. Um, how are you executing, you know, your trades or your your hedging positions? So, you know, what is your level of complexity? Do you want to keep it very simple or do you want it to be a little more complex? So understanding what your end goal is and really understanding, you know, how you want to get there. And then finding partners out there in the business that can help you along that journey. There's a lot of really good outfits out there that their sole existence is, is to help clients walk through the ins and outs of, of what can sometimes look like a pretty complicated process. So I think, you know, understand what your end goal is and find people who are out there who can who can help you get to get to that end goal. Any pitfalls or common mistakes that you see, uh, you know, with, with folks making in this area, Thomas? I think it just comes back again to the strategy and don't let the whims of the market dictate your strategy. You know, sit down and understand what it is that you want to do, what it is that you want to accomplish, create that strategy, and then go and execute on it and leave the second guessing to someone else. 
But again, you know, it's easy to get emotional. It's easy to get wrapped up in the what it could have shut up. But I think that if you are creating a clear strategy and you can go on and execute on it, that's ultimately what's going to give you continued success uh, that will keep you in the game for, for the long period of time, for the long term. Are there, you know, kind of over your career, what sets up a, a part of best-in-class hedging program? Yeah, I think it's just that execution and that discipline. It's easy to get emotional. It's easy to let the whims of the market keep you from seeing the big picture. But I think the discipline and, and that execution is is really what sets people apart who are successful. Okay. In terms of, you know, information, any key tools, market intelligence sources that, a, you know, successful hedging strategy, uh, you know, folks should be looking toward? Well, I think, I think a lot of it comes down, you know, it all starts with, with your analysis and, you know, again, understanding, understanding the key business. So having people in place that are understanding where it is that you want to go and what it is that you want to achieve. And again, I, at the risk of repeating myself, it's, it's just that strategy and execution piece, you know, and it's easy to sit there here and, say that, but when you are in these markets and it's very volatile and, and there are a lot of swings, just sticking to that strategy is going to help you keep that emotion out of it and, and really going to help you execute at the end of the day. And so that's really when you're thinking about as a hedger, whether you're a producer hedging grain or you're an end user hedging your exposure to corn or whatever the case may be, your job is to reduce the amount of risk that you're exposed to. Your job is not to be a hedge fund and, and buy the lows and sell the highs. So I think it's really important to, to remember you are dealing with risk and, and the goal of a hedging program is to reduce risk and to stick to that program. Very good. Thank you. That's really good advice. Um, I'm conscious of time. And as always, it goes a lot faster than we wanted to. We normally try and just finish up just talking more around some advice for the students that are listening about careers and stuff. So if you had to pick out one or two bits of advice that you think are really important for people that are starting out, what would they be? Well, the first one is kind of funny. <laughs> I would say, you know, as far as get up early, and, and it sounds kind of like, a weird piece of advice, but commodity markets, it's not a nine to five kind of thing. The world gets moving early. And I think, you know, for me, that certainly was a skill, you know, that I had to polish up on. But, you know, if you if you get to your desk at 830 and nine o'clock, you know, I'm sure Stephen and Tom, your experience in this world, you feel like probably half the day has passed you by. So you've really got to make the commitment to get up early and and be, you know, fresh and, and watching these markets because the world starts early and it starts moving. So really, really being there and getting up and paying attention right away in the morning is very important. And then just talking to people and meeting people in the business. I've been in this for a long time, but I rely on a whole number of people to talk to on a daily and weekly basis to, to get their ideas, to get their view, to get their outlook. I certainly have my opinions. How does that stack up with with other people I talk to, you know, what's, what's going on in different parts of the world. So just the number of people that you can meet and talk to and develop relationships with, it really helps you really get a good, clear picture, or, or at least a, a diverse picture on what's going on in the world. And the more that you can help people connect people along the way is helpful too. But I think just getting out there and learning and talking to people that really goes a long way because 
really in the end, it's it's about making those connections and really understanding what other people in these markets are seeing. That's really going to help you, you know, along your journey. Thank you for that. And then my final question is, everyone has a slightly different way of doing it. Yeah, certainly the interview techniques have changed over the years, probably from when you and I first entered them. Uh, the guys on the floor, those <laughs> techniques were probably quite unique. Yep. But is there any characteristics or personality traits that you look for now in people when you uh, when you interview or speak to new colleagues? Yeah, I think that curiosity, that's a big one. I think openness and willingness to hear a viewpoint is important. And also important to be able to state an opinion with a certain amount of confidence, but then also able to listen and, and weigh opposing opinions that you might hear. So it's kind of an interesting dichotomy there, but that curiosity and then having an opinion, but also being open to listening to other opinions and then just willing to be a hard worker. Some of the stuff that you do is can be monotonous or, or really unexciting. You know, a lot of the stuff that, that happens behind the scenes. So the willingness to work hard and, and persistence. Those are those are some of the traits that I really look for. Very good. I think that kind of wraps it up uh, from us. I know we're a little bit over time, but Thomas wanted to say thanks much for joining us, Stephen and I, on this podcast. It's just uh, it's great to see you, and uh, thanks for being part of this. Yeah, Thank you. Was, that was really really interesting. Thanks for for sharing that with us, Thomas. Thank you very much for having me. I, I enjoyed being here. So that's it for today. If you enjoyed the podcast, I would encourage you to subscribe and rate it wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to come on the show as a future guest and you think you've got something contrarian to say, please do get in touch. My email address is jake at chipredict.com. Today's show was written and co-hosted by Stephen Butler and Tom Brady. Special thanks to Erica Hyman of the JP Morgan Center for Commodities at UC Denver and Maria Valentina who produced the podcast. Thanks very much. See you next time.